0: Hi everyone, this is Gary Berman, host of the Cyber Hero Adventure Show. We have an extra special show today featuring Rajeeb Dalakia, who is one of the originators of passwordless authentication, which led to the FIDO Alliance, which led to just this massive positive change regarding the challenges and opportunities that everyone in the digital universe has Pertaining to keeping our secrets safe, Rajiv, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Gary, thanks, uh, thanks a lot. Um, and those are very kind words. I, I I don't know that I originated anything in the passwordless universe, but yes, we did bring together um, the core concepts, the core uh, assumptions, and the the core protocol that we contributed into the FIDO Alliance, created it, uh, and, and drew in all of these big boys. Because honestly, it was too big a problem for any one company to solve. It didn't matter how clever we were and what we invented or how big Google was or Microsoft or Apple or or Qualcomm or Intel or MasterCard or Visa. I think for this to succeed and for us to have a real shot at replacing passwords over a period of time, we needed to create a building block. And that building block um, was something that needed to be embedded everywhere, available everywhere, on the client side, on the server side, in the browser, in the operating system. And uh, and the best way to do that um, was to give up a portion of our intellectual property and stuff that we had invented um, and to convince these other people that it was too big a problem to solve and they ought to work on this piece. And, you know, 10 years later, uh, some of the, the seeds of what, uh, you know, Phil Dunkelberger and um, Ramesh and Rolf and Matt and Naga and Mark and Brendan, these are all part of the crew that came to do this. <clears throat> um, it's now built into every browser, every operating system. And it's a real shock at, uh, like SSL, becoming something that you don't think a lot about, you just use it. And uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of, of, uh, of having done that.
0: Indeed. And, you know, one of the uh, privileges of our show is I get to listen and learn from the unsung cyber heroes who toil in anonymity to keep us safe. And I know for sure that you're a big one. Um, And, you know, obviously, you know, you're a very humble man, uh, you know, which is uh, wonderful. Um, Here's the chance for for you to share with our audience, um, you know, a little bit about your origin story and, you know, how did you get to this moment and what were you possibly thinking at the time 10 years ago where you said,
1: hey, maybe we don't need passwords? Uh, Great, great uh, question. So, so I think from an origin story perspective I'm, I'm one of a, a bit of an oddball in the sense that I came into computer science uh, and and computers through a very different road than many other people I was a chemical engineer took an extra math class became a Lisp programmer and you know loved working in Lisp and AI but at, at, at some point in the 80s um, that kind of sunset, um, and there was a there was a winter, uh, and and we had to go find other things to do. And I I stumbled really into security, and I was very fortunate to cut my teeth on security at a time when um, the whole wave of of uh, uh, encryption uh, identity through asymmetric key cryptography uh, was coming up. And I had a chance to work with uh, some legends in this area uh, Tarel el Kamal, uh, Marty Hellman, Paul Kocher, Bruce uh, Schneier. These folks all helped in one way or the other orient the various things that we did. And my first sort of notable little bit of work in this area was uh, at, a, at a company called Valisert, where um, in the heyday of digital certificates and PKIs, and people don't remember that there was this wave of identity companies, where your identity was going to be this digital certificate that you were handed, and and uh, you know I, I say you learn from your failures, and and the failure of uh, of that uh, particular industry wave was that we while we were successful in handing identities to servers. So you could go shopping at Amazon or eBay or 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 you know Mastercard or Visa. Um, we weren't so successful <clears throat> with identities for individuals, employees, or or for uh, um, uh, consumers. And uh, and then I had a chance to work with Phil Dunkelberger at uh, at a company called PGP, where I ran product strategy. And coming out of that experience, um, a bunch of us, uh, uh, Phil, Mark, uh, a few others, really felt that, you know, we could continue improving the algorithms and the applications for encryption and come up with something really clever. But it wasn't a whole lot of use because um, really the weak uh, part of the system was the password. And if... the the password that secured your PGP key, for example, or your digital X-509 certificate, in the end, if that password could be picked off by malware or be stolen from a server, um, you were toast. And and we really felt like there was something to be done about it. Um, and, And so the first little piece of insight that we brought to the table was this idea that identity and authentication ought to be two different things,
0: hmm.
1: and you know you don't think about this a lot, but you know it's an elementary problem. Yeah. So uh, you know one of the one of the lessons coming out of the whole X five o nine digital certificates experience was that when you tie identity and authentication too closely together, you, you end up with inadvertent leakages of information. So every time I use that digital certificate to prove who I am everything around that um, authentication the identity pieces the you know if if I put my rank serial number home phone number address wh- whatever I put into my digital certificate leaks as a part of that uh, whether you intended it to or not and and so one of the very first sort of driving principles of uh, of the creation of FIDO was um, that you ought to really separate these two. And if you separate them successfully, then you preserve an element of privacy. Um, The second is that you shouldn't be using the same password across or the same authentication credentials across multiple services that you interact with because that's another way in which um, a compromise in one place can ripple across four other places. And so, you, what what you needed to do was to make sure that um, whatever you replace passwords with could really work um, in a way that each of these relationships were in a silo. Um, the there the are many other there, there's a there's a handful of such principles. I'm not going to go you know enumerate them exhaustively, <clears throat> but but one of the the interesting elements was that for a decade or 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 you know two decades, people have been trying to replace passwords for a while. And everybody was convinced that they had the solution. And, and the solution usually took the form of, you know, I have a widget. You know, my widget's going to replace passwords. And, you know, people had fingerprint sensors and uh, face recognition systems and, you know, heart rate um, you know, measuring your, your cardiac uh, rate or, or, a, or a fancy token of some kind that, uh, you know, a dongle that you carried around with you. And all of these guys, you know, very innovative people, and they were convinced that their little solution was going to replace passwords and I think the, the the one of the core little pieces of insight that we brought to the table was that there's no one method of authentication that's going to replace passwords. Um, that there are different situations in which someone may choose to use. Um, you know, fingerprints is a is a biometric, or or face is a biometric, and other situations where people may want to use a, a dongle that is separate from the the computer system that they are authenticating into. And there are times when you want to combine the two. Uh, you know, you might want to have a, a a dongle that's portable that you can carry around with you, and might have a fingerprint uh, sensor on it. Uh, you know, these are all uh, the 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 usability. Uh, and the economic conditions will drive the choice of what we call the authenticator. The authenticator is just the, the thing that you use to authenticate to the device. And the whole point of FIDO was to say, let the user authenticate to the device and then let the device handle all the complexity of how to authenticate to the service, to the network and all the fancy stuff. From cryptographic perspective, to you know, make sure that uh, you couldn't have replay of of uh, of the session, um, all of the stuff that had to do with preventing phishing, all of the fancy stuff. You could then hide that into the protocol which happened between the device and the service, and then the authenticator would take care of securely authenticating that you are really you, and you are really you could be done through a dozen different means. Biometrics, dongles, combinations of the two, we didn't care, right? In the end, we defined these abstractions, the authenticator and the protocol, and, and the two work together seamlessly to create this thing called FIDO.
0: Indeed. And just for our audience, um, in case they are not even familiar with FIDO, what, what does FIDO, stand
1: for the initials fido well it, it um Fido as I said is a was was um fast identity online <clears throat> was the was the acronym that it was uh, it was supposed to stand for and um a, a, a very talented um uh UX designer came up with a with a friendly dog <clears throat> that uh you know so so Fido was the, the logo originally was uh, was a friendly little dog was this uh,
0: a representative of a real dog of one of the creators
1: no 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 i i, I not at all uh, i i i think i think um you know she, she just um you know put that together i think as one of the one of the proposal and it seemed like you know someone that was guarding your secrets and and taking care and and being a concierge for you around the network i think seemed to make a lot of sense and
0: yes it does I, I think it's terrific um so let me just go back one 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 moment you know uh to uh, kind of uh, go beneath the surface of this great kind of technical sort of perspective that you're providing our audience you know one of the biggest challenges um that uh, I've identified listening and learning to some of the smartest people in the world is that the criminals seem to be kind of horizontally structured where they share information freely without, you know, any constraints and they they really work well together where the defenders are, are much more vertically structured, you know, because of uh, intellectual property, um, uh, economics, uh, the patchwork of State, local, federal, global regulations, you know, and, and things like that. How did you and um, Phil from Knock Knock and your colleagues get people to kind of play nice to or w- with one
1: another? Uh, great, great, great question. And and um, you know, I didn't know. I think when we started the company and and started the whole effort around around Fido. That we were going to be successful. But what we did know is that replacing passwords is is really too big a problem for any one company to solve. And it didn't matter if that company was Knock Knock Labs, which was the company that we founded, um, that invented the core principles and the core IP around FIDO, or whether it was Google or Microsoft. I mean, these were all very clever people. They could come up with their own little solution. But if we didn't all mutually agree on the core principles and the core technologies, and we didn't make the pieces of this technology available in the infrastructure in the framework, we wouldn't be successful. And, and we took a lesson. And you know, Tahir Al Kamal was uh, was an early mentor and advisor to, to this effort. And Tahir, um, you know, went through this experience with SSL. Right? If you if you think about what SSL is today. Um, you know, if it had been a proprietary invention on the part of one company, Netscape, um, you know, the odds are Microsoft would have said, well, okay, you know, we're going to invent our own. And they did actually (laughs) for for some length of time. But I think the industry as a whole benefited, and you cannot imagine this modern computing infrastructure that we have today without SSL. And so I think that there's a great merit to standards and, and cooperation at the right time for the right set of things. And so there was a decision made uh, fairly early on in the life of the company to say, um, we're going to take the core pieces of what we are putting together as a protocol, and we're going to contribute that IP and create this thing called the FIDO Alliance formally. And we're going to invite people in, and they might take it in a completely different direction. They might add things to it that we had not envisioned, and that's okay. Um, And and really, that was the core notion and idea to to, to say, well, if we want to be a building block, a fundamental building block for security, because to replace passwords, that's what you need to be. And you need to be available everywhere. And you need to to make sure that it's super, super secure um, so that private key is always protected in hardware. There was a lot of work to do. And we felt that the best way to do it was to try and create a, a standard, which I, I think at this point, FIDO is you know, considered to be a uh, enough of a standard. And, and I think on its way to becoming that fundamental building block for security that we intended.
0: I would agree with that assessment. Um, how, how many, appro- approximately how many... Uh, companies are involved in in Fido, or is there too many to know that answer? I mean, is it is it? Is I, any-
1: I think. At, I think at this point, um, you know, I, I think at this point, um, the ball started to roll about probably four or five years ago, and and anyone who's anyone that's doing good work in this area um, either has a browser, operating system, uh, has a has a strong financial. Uh, a network of some kind is is either a member of Fido and contributing to it actively from a development of a protocol perspective or um, they're consumers of it, uh, meaning they're buying that commercially as a solution from a vendor and and implementing it. So uh, but but you know the origin story obviously is is <laughs> is, a, is a is an interesting one because um, you know when when we started, um, while there was an informal group of people exchanging ideas, about what this could be, uh, when it came time to say, we're we're going to sign up and we're going to sign up with these conditions, um, there were just five companies wow. and Knock Knock was obviously the company that had the most to contribute and the most to lose at some level because we were contributing what we had invented. Um into this this group of uh, of companies and and uh you know it, it it turned out well simply because for a few years as we went around um showcasing what we had thought about, what the principles were, why replacing passwords was important, how we had done it um and and I think one of the keys to success really was this idea of of creating a big tent. And the Big Ten was this idea that I mentioned to you earlier, that there is no single method of authentication that's going to replace passwords. I think often people think about, oh, you know, is it going to be this clever way of scanning my eye or, or you know, looking at my ear or, right. Right. Or, uh, or, you know, I used to say, you know, I'm waiting for the nose authenticator because I'll always be identified that way. Oh. <laughs> uh, with this big, big uh, schnoz that I have. Um, but, you know, really, the idea was that there's no one authenticator that's perfect for every situation. That um, uh, the, the, the perfect authenticator really depends on the risk that you're running in a particular situation. And if you are protecting the head of state, um, you know, what you may choose to use by way of hardware, by way of methods of authentication may be very different than if you are, uh, you know, working with consumers or or an enterprise of some kind. Um,
0: well, just um, f- forgive the interruption, but you're bringing yeah. up something, something you said um, you know, a little bit earlier that is um, part of your origin story. Uh, you were working on uh, artificial intelligence, you know, all those years ago. Um, what is your thought about the role of, AI pertaining to authentication and, and identity management and passwords.
1: Oh goodness! Um, so, uh, in an interesting way, um, you know, when you when you think about things like biometrics, they are already using a, a set of techniques. Uh, you know, uh, uh, artificial intelligence and and machine learning are, are fancy words, <clears throat> but at the bottom, what you have are are techniques in some sense that have been ricocheting around the industry for the better part of a couple of decades. Uh, we just didn't have the hardware, we didn't have the the ability to crunch as much data as fast and, and therefore were limited in the kinds of results that we could produce. But we've been using things like AI for fraud systems. Uh, we've been using AI for um uh you know whenever there's too much data that needs to be compressed when when there's the there's matching to be done which is kind of fuzzy or imprecise, and biometrics certainly are an interesting area where you know those kinds of techniques have been used for years prod um which is uh you know look i've I have a thousand signals i I you know so Gary authenticated with his password, but you know is it really Gary you know w- what does location um Uh, say about him you know if i ping his ip address you know how long does that ping take uh what does the device fingerprint look like and and you know this is an interesting second aspect of of this whole authentication problem i use you know my characterization at some point this is i think before game of thrones came out uh i used to say that authentication is a game of signals Mm. and and if you have a really, really, really strong signal, you have a higher assurance of who the person on the other end of the line is. If you have a bunch of weak signals, then you don't really know. Uh, you know, if 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 the signal that I'm using is easily spoofable or stolen, then as the person relying on that, on that authentication, I'm forced to do other heavy lifting, a lot of heavy lifting, perhaps. And 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 I think, unfortunately, we've been in this sort of signals arms race for the last decade, where if you go today to authenticate someplace with a password, it's not so much the password that they're relying on, but the 50 other things around the password to really know that it's you. And unfortunately, many of those techniques are um, at the borderline of privacy, let's just say. Right? Because the kind of information that they are scraping from your device, from your network, from your uh, repeated visits around the net and the correlations between them and hanging on to that information really creates a privacy hazard for no reason, <clears throat> really, honestly. And, and, and so the question is, if you can strengthen that core signal that says Gary's Gary or Rajiv is Rajiv, then do you really need all these, you know, Five hundred other things that you're scraping off of the device or <clears throat> network, and and you know you can be a little bit more discretionary about what classes of information you're going to going to gather and store and process and associate with Gary's history and and so forth. So you know authentication will continue always to be a game of signals. Wow! People make a claim, and and uh, you know you're gonna. You're going to process that claim and say, well, you know, how strong is that claim? And if it's not strong, you're going to try and, you know, strengthen that claim say, yep, it's really Gary. Let him in.
0: I mean, I, I think you just uh, created the title for our interview game of signals.
1: <laughs> Authentication is game of signals. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just... we, we, We've we had a few of these, um, these analogies over the years, Um you know, it's it's uh, th- th- there's a, there's another way that we thought about authentication. Um, that authentication is really the gateway to the consumer's experience. And and the analogy that I used to to give on this front was, you know, think about trying to go to Disney World but having to crawl through or crawl under rose bushes to get there. And that's kind of the experience that we had you know, a decade ago where, you know, you had to establish a password and it had to be this kind of complexity. And then you had to give them three more secrets that you had to, to prove who you are and a recovery thing. And it was just a mess. <clears throat> it was a terrible experience for a consumer trying to engage with the service. And if you think about where we are today in many of these situations, you know, it's as easy as swiping your finger and, and, you know, getting into Disney World, so to speak. Um, and, and so we think of authentication as well as the gateway to consumer experience. And the lower the barrier, the more frictionless you make it, um, the more natural and seamless it is. Uh, and, and certainly where Fido, uh, you know, wanted to go and, and has gone is for from the point of view of an end user or a consumer, they would do what they are used to doing every single day. You pick up your device, you put your finger on it, you, you show your face to it, you tap a dongle on it, whatever whatever suits you, and you're in. All the complexity is handled behind the scenes. If there's a fissure, it doesn't work because the underlying protocol was designed to be phishing resistant. Right? Yeah. That's, that's the notion. Rajiv, I don't know if
0: you can hear that sound, but but that was my head exploding. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, mean, I'm
1: sorry. I'm 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I,
0: well, look, I mean, in the spirit of full disclosure, I failed algebra. I, you know, um,
1: so that, up, Gary, I think that's the entire point: is that <laughs> the communication has to be something. That mere mortals can do, and if if they can do what they do every day as a ritual, you know, you open your phone, you don't think about it. You you, you know, you tap that phone or show it your face or whatever it is that you do. Um, if if authentication and strong authentication and multi-factor authentication is reduced to those rituals and gestures that you are used to performing every day, that your grandma's used to performing every day. Um, then I think we've got something for the masses, <clears throat> and and really, you know, a lot of what Fido succeeded in was creating that big tent to say we don't care, use any authenticator you want. Tomorrow you're going to invent a new one.
0: Well, my goodness, <laughs> I could just listen and learn from you all day. Uh, you know, thank you so much. As we're just uh, kind of wrapping up, um, when I was uh, with you just last week uh, at RSA in San Francisco, you had mentioned. Uh, that you were retiring or have retired, uh, you sure seem to have a lot of gas in your tank. I, I mean, like, what, <laughs> what, what are you, you going to do? What is, what is retirement for a guy like you?
1: Well, I, 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 fortunately, I have a thousand recreations and I think you can sort of see, uh, you know, I, I, I am a bit of a bookworm and, and um, you know, I, I think somewhere around here, there's a couple of toys on the, on the shelves. And so I, I, I make uh, small wooden toys, kinetic machines, uh, automata. And that's a recreation that I spend a bit of time on. Um, there's a bit of travel. And then I've always been um, a mentor, um, uh, uh, you know, most recently at UC Berkeley Skydeck. Uh, and, uh, and then I, I, I spent almost a decade on the board of the Girl Scouts of Northern California, helping with girls and, and STEM education. And I'll probably continue to do many of those things. Uh, I
0: actually, uh, on that one, um, recently I understood that uh, the Girl Scouts have signed a pretty cool agreement with CISA.
1: Yes, well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, so a, a lot of that came out of the work that um, you know the, the board at, at GS NorCal and the board at, at GSUSA uh, did uh, you know, over the last decade. So I I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Girl Scouts have a cybersecurity badge. Yes, uh, yeah. And and in the first year that we launched it, I think that they trained more um, more young women uh, in cybersecurity uh, with that initial badge than I think DoD and CISA had trained the entire year. And all these young women were going home and saying, "Mom, Dad, we've got to change our passwords. uh, You know, (laughs) password it can't be the default anymore." And, and so I, I think, uh, you know, there's this tremendous potential um, there. And, and I think, um, you know, if you read also Mackenzie Scott, um, uh, um, you know, the, the, the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, uh, you know, made a very grand donation to, uh, to the Girl Scouts, uh, you know, I think in the tune of about four and a half million because, you know, girls are an undertapped resource. For Indeed. cybersecurity and and STEM and uh, and certainly that's a, a big passion of mine.
0: It did. Well, um, on behalf of my two daughters and my brand new gra- granddaughter, uh, thank you so much uh, for for that for you and the Girl Scouts and and everyone. And on behalf of a, a grateful digital universe, um, uh, Rajiv, thanks so much for who you are and and what you do, and most importantly, why you do it. How does our audience get more information? You know about what. What you've done, or FIDO, or what would you like to share about that?
1: Oh, um, uh, you mean in in terms of uh, following up? So, so there's a FIDO Alliance website that uh, you know talks a little bit about threat models and the protocol and the use cases and who's adopted it and so forth. Um, the company that that Phil and I founded, um, Knock Knock Labs, um, is is really the the leading company in this area that has uh, probably the best set of customers um, that have deployed this. Uh, if you're using today an Intuit app, a um, uh, Verizon or or uh, or T-Mobile or Docomo, if you happen to be in Japan, or or um, uh, you know some of the BBVA things in, in uh abroad, um, you know those are all Fido, and and you know there are many many resources around now uh, related to that, and and I'm easily reachable on LinkedIn and. In a bunch of other other places, if uh, uh, if someone wants to, and, and and I think you you may be at some point talking to Rolf Lindemann. Yes. On, uh, so so Rolf was was one of the people um, that helped uh, us build the whole Fido uh, ecosystem, and 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 he's really the the intellectual heart at some level of of some of the Fido work. So we, there's lots of us happy to to enlighten and and. Uh, uh, talk about any of this at any time.
0: Well, indeed. So, uh, you know, thank you again, uh, Rajiv. Um, it bears repeating for who you are and what you do, and most importantly, why you do it. Um, I, I leave this conversation incredibly optimistic. So, uh, thank you.
1: Well, thank you for doing what you do, and and uh, you know, I, I I really appreciated the opportunity, and it was uh, it was great that we bumped into each other at RSA. Indeed. All right. Take care.